as you go through life, you're going to have many opportunities to keep your mouth shut. Take advantage of them all. I love that. That was just a great reminder that um, I think our mouths and our tongues can be maybe our Achilles heel in this life. The very one thing, the primary thing that gets us in trouble in this life, I believe, is very much one of the smallest parts of the entire body. So we're going to see what James has to say. So James 3, 1 through 12. Turn there, if you will. James 3, 1 through 12. Verse 1, let not many of you become teachers, my brethren, knowing that as such we will incur a stricter judgment, for we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body as well. Now, if we put bits into the horse's mouth so that they will obey us, we direct their entire body as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so great and are driven by strong winds, are still directed by a very small rudder wherever the inclination of the pilot desires. So also the tongue is a small part of the body, and yet it boasts of great things. See how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, the very world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body and sets sets on fire the course of our life and is set on fire by hell. For every species of beast and birds and reptiles and creatures of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by the human race. But no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil and full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord the Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth comes both blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things not ought to be this way. Does a fountain send out from the same opening both fresh and bitter water? Can a fig tree, my brethren, produce olives, or a vine produce figs? Or can salt water produce anything fresh? So last week, of course, we left off at the very end of of chapter 2 of James, where James says that evidence of faith will be good works. He says it will be good works in general, but really good works to the poor is what James says. And this morning, of course, we're beginning a whole new chapter, chapter 3. And this might be a passage or the passage that many of you or many of us might know the best. We know it well. We've heard it many times, our, probably most of our lives. And so we see that James goes from talking about good works in general or good works to the poor. And he says that your faith will now be evidenced by the words that we use. The words that you use will be a piece of the evidence of your faith, is what James says. So it's not just about good works, actions. It's about what comes out of our mouths. 
And so just like last week, we have to say, if we know Jesus intimately, if we are His followers, if we are His people, if He, if he is the Lord of our actions, the Lord will also be the Lord of our tongues. He'll be the Lord of our mouths. There's no getting around it. And that's precisely what James says. So this morning we're, gonna, we're looking at two different kind of elements to, the, to uh, what James has to say. One, he says, there's a lifelong challenge to taming the tongue. Can we all agree to that? It's not just me. Okay, good. There is a lifelong challenge in taming our tongue. So now we're going to look at that and talk about that. Talk about that battle and talk about that tension. But the second layer to the passage this morning, what James says is when you're in your home or as a church when you gather, or at school, at work, whatever you are, when we do life together, this is the sort of talk that's to come out of your mouth. So one, we're talking about the battle, but two, we're looking at what James has to say is here is the ideal as you follow Jesus Christ. I think it would have been really nice that, um, you know, when I came to Jesus, you know, 30 plus years ago, or actually probably closer to 40 years ago, when I came to Jesus, I would have no more challenge with the things that I, with things that I say. It would have been nice to have never struggled again, and all my language and every word would have been edifying and God-honoring. But that's not the reality. My, my biggest struggle in my life, and in fact, it was lived out this week, and last night, in fact, I get in trouble with the things I say. My tongue. Whether it's in conversation with my wife, or my kids, friends, family, my tongue has done damage in this life. There's no doubt about it. There have been consequences from the things that I have said and have come out of my mouth. There is no getting around it. Yes, I'm a pastor. I hope to be a man of God. I hope to be a godly husband, godly father, godly family member. But I have said some hurtful things in my life. And this entire passage this, this week was, it was like going to boot camp. It was like boot camp for me. Like, oh man, this is precisely what I need to hear. And I don't think I'm alone in that. I think this morning, I think we all need to hear this, precisely what James has to say. And James, really, he can't really overstate the problem of the tongue in this passage. So this passage is all about the battle. The, he can't overstate that your tongue is a problem. And I think we would say, we know that. There have been, churches have been split over things that have been said. Marriages have been ruined, right? We've lost friends. We've lost family members because of things that we have said, things that have come out of our mouth. And so James cannot overstate that tongue is a problem. And he calls the tongue, he says it's a, a spark that can burn up a whole forest. So this little teeny tiny part of our body that can do so much damage and he says it's restful, it's evil, and it's full of deadly poison when it's unchecked. That's some pretty harsh language. So we have a daily battle as representatives of Jesus. We must be willing to do whatever is necessary, whatever it takes, to keep our tongues under God's authority. And our tongues have the ability to speak life or death, literally. I think I used to think and sometimes would, would say, well, it's just kind of words, they're just, you know, letters kind of put together. Well, the reality is, is that words have significance, they have meaning, they can literally speak 
life or death into my own heart, but into the hearts and minds of others. So we cannot overstate uh, the responsibility that we have in keeping our tongues under God's authority. And one of the first things that James says in our passage is this. Verse 1, he says that God's people are accountable for their words. Verse 1, those that teach are held to a stricter judgment. And the judgment that James speaks to in this passage is one of motivation. And the question that James really asks here, he says, is your desire to teach or is your desire to serve, is it motivated by God's kingdom or God's glory? Or are the words that you use motivated to be perceived as a big deal? There were, there were those contemporaries of James, there were Jews that wanted to use their tongues not for God's glory, but for their own glory. So there were, again, Jews, young Jewish men, parents of young Jewish men that wanted their sons to go out and teach and have some authority and a place of prominence, a place of status in the Jewish community in the first century. So you had parents, you had um, other Jews kind of pushing these young men and believers into these this perceived place of, of prominence. And then Jesus in Matthew 23 says, um, I see no shortage of Jewish teachers that love the place of honor at banquets. And in the synagogue, they love the attention out on the street. And Jesus told his disciples in the same passage, he said, let me remind you that your desire to teach must be motivated to serve, not to have power or status or financial gain. And there are plenty of contemporary teachers in this world that we can point to, sometimes on television, sometimes on the radio. And while I'm not going to make a judgment on whether they know Jesus or not, it looks to me like some of their motivation is status, power. And so if you're a pastor or teacher or Leader is what James says, and you use your words for selfish gain. That's not God's intention. That's not His design. There will be an extra level of judgment upon those that teach God's Word. And while James says that teachers will be judged more harshly, it's really a question, I think, for all of us. What is, what is my motivation to serve? Is my motivation, is it God's kingdom? Is it God's glory? Is it because I am loving the person sitting next to me, or is my motivation more about me? Is it status or power, or do I want to be perceived as somebody important or a big deal? And you know, part of the reason why uh, part of the reason why we are held accountable for our words again is based on what I mentioned a minute ago: is that the tongue helps set the direction of not only our lives, but the lives of others as well. You know, we don't use words in a vacuum, right? We are all here together, worshiping together, and so we respond based on kind of what we say and the things that are said here inside these walls. And there are people on the receiving end of our words, right? I can speak words to myself. I can have a conversation with myself, but typically there's a receiver on the end of my words. And so if there is a receiver, we need to be thinking be conscientious that their their hearts and their minds are also looking to bring them to a place of 
getting closer to Jesus Christ or we can drive them further away. And in the first few verses, James says, while the, the tongue is small, don't underestimate its power. It has power for good or evil, just like the bit in the horse's mouth, the rudder that steers the ship, the spark which can create this small fire. So is the tongue. The tongue is small, but it has the capacity to do something so much greater, so much bigger. One, one pastor I read this week, he said this. I, I love what he had to say about the tongue. He said, both the bit and the rudder must overcome contrary forces to direct the horse and the ship. The horse is a powerful animal that can do so much useful work, but only if it can be directed. A ship is a useful means of transporting cargo or people, but if the rudder is broken, it will be at the mercy of the wind and the waves. And it could result in a shipwreck causing loss of life and cargo. To work properly and to accomplish good things, both the bit for the horse and the rudder for the ship must be under the control of a strong hand. A strong hand that knows how to use them properly. In the same way, the tongue must overcome the contrary force of the flesh and be under God's wise control if the tongue is going to accomplish anything good. So as we bring our tongues under the constant influence of Jesus, it can literally direct others into places that are either of Him or not of Him. And if we allow our tongues to speak freely in our path, in that path, very well may be destruction and death. Such a small part of the body, but has the capacity to do such great damage. You know, I've heard my kids, um, and you've probably heard your own kids say this, or other kids, they would say, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That might be the biggest lie we've ever uttered in our homes or on the field, on the playground, right? An absolute lie. You know, words do matter. Long after broken arms have healed and skin knees have healed, words can leave lifelong scars. I don't have to tell you that. You know that. There are probably things that were said years ago that you might even still be replaying and listen to and hear. Words can leave lifelong scars. And there's no other book of the Bible that, that has more to say than the power of words than the book of Proverbs. There are 150 passages in Proverbs that speak to the power of the tongue, the words that we use. Proverbs 16.24, pleasant words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. Proverbs 18.21, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. So if you're looking to keep your tongue under control, under God's authority, Proverbs is a great place to start and to read every day and refilling your mind with the things of God. So again, words are not just some random string of letters or that are spoken in some sort of a vacuum. Words have meaning, and there are lifelong implications to the words that we use. I think if we took Proverbs as seriously as possible and we were just 
constantly aware and keenly aware of that our words can hurt others or set the direction of, of our lives or the lives of others in our churches and in our homes. Maybe be more careful. Again, this message this morning is, is just as much for me as you. Maybe it's more for me. I get in trouble all the time with the words I use. As verse 6 says, there is fire that our tongue can create, and it comes from hell. It's a strong word. So the words that we use that are ungodly, James says, they come from no other place other than hell. And the word hell that James uses in this, in this passage, it's this translation of two different Hebrew words for the valley of Hinnom. And this is a valley that was outside of uh, the gates of Jerusalem. In the Old Testament, there were Jews who worshipped the pagan god Moloch and uh, actually went and did human and child sacrifices were made in this valley. And later on, it became a place where the Jews would go and burn trash. They'd bring their trash to this very place. So in the Old Testament, you had these stories where they would go and burn children in this place again. And there was later on, it became a, a burning, a burning pit. And James says, when, when ungodly speech comes out of your mouth, the destruction and fire that comes from that comes from that very place comes from hell, comes from this place, the Valley of Hinnom. It's this place where death is found, destruction is found, the place of torment and hell. Satan is the author of this very place. He is the author of the words that we use that are not of God. I know that's hard to hear, but that's the case. You know, this happened, uh, I'll share this, but um, this happened this week, and I had this moment where it just kind of welled up inside of me. I just felt like, I shouldn't say this, but I guess I'm going to anyway. And I'm sure I'm not alone in that. You probably felt that same thing where something wells up and you go, well, I really want to say something. I probably shouldn't, but there I go anyway. No, that's not of God. God is not the author of those ugly words that I used or something I said to my son, something I said to my wife. The enemy is the author of that. And if we don't keep a tight rein on our hearts, Jesus tells us, he says, out of the heart, the mouth speaks. So those words that we use that are ugly and gross, you know, God doesn't tell us to say that hurtful thing. It comes from the enemy's influence in our lives. There's no getting around it. And that's what James says. It comes from hell. You know, a few weeks ago when we started our James series, we talked about uh, favoritism as being one of the most overlooked, maybe most unrecognized sins in the lives of God's people. That'd be, that, that's what I would say. And I think the sin of ungodly speech, I think really is in the same category. It's one of the most overlooked, unrecognized sins. Um, I know as you get a people, a group of people together, at an event or a function or something, you, you inevitably you hear gossip, you hear sarcasm, right? You hear uh, sometimes off-color jokes. You get 
you know, negative remarks, all sin. And James says the origin of any of that, all of it, is actually hell. Again, that's tough to hear. In verse 8, James switches gears a little bit. And he says, he paints this reality of the tongue, this picture of reality, and says, what a battle we find ourselves in. But he kind of switches gears a little bit. He says there actually is good news attached to that. Verse 8. No one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil and full of deadly poison. It doesn't sound like really good news, but we'll get to that good news here in a minute. You know, upon first glance, you know, it kind of feels like James is saying, well, since no one can tame the tongue, why even try? Right? It almost kind of sounds like that. Like, well, we can't tame it. It is what it is. Hey, let it fly. That's not what James is saying at all, right? So he's he's saying that no man, no human, there is no human endeavor, no human ingenuity, no man is able to tame his tongue. The good news is that God can tame your tongue. The supernatural power of the Holy Spirit can tame your tongue. So James is saying the battle, if we're going to be successful in this battle, no man can do that. You cannot do that. You will fail every time. So we have James and God's Word saying, here's the ideal. We can't escape the reality. He says that no one can tame the tongue. No man has been able to do that. Even the most godly of men, ungodly things will come out of their mouths. And in the next verse, in verse 9, you know, James, he writes about this tension and says, he tells the church, he said, how is it that one minute you praise the Lord, you can praise God, and the next minute you're cursing your brother or your sister? God's most perfect creation. How is it? From the same mouth comes blessing and cursing. May it not be so, is what James says. And we're not going to ask for a show of hands, of course, but um, time and time again, in my family, there seems to be conflict on Sunday morning. Am I alone in that? I don't think I'm alone. Maybe I'm alone in that. I don't think so. Sometimes I ask rhetorical questions. I already know the answer. But time and time again, there's conflict on Sunday morning in our home. We're getting ready. We're busy. We're driving up here. We're Even we get here and... All right, guys, put on your bright, smiley, shining Sunday morning faces. And how is it that, again, blessing and cursing can come from the same mouth, even on the same day, on the same Sunday morning? And some of the most critical words that we have ever heard can happen inside the church walls. Absolutely. There are things that I've heard that, that uh, absolutely... You know, how is it that we've strayed so far from God's intention? And if our hearts are filled with sin and gross, our words are going to reflect just that. Verse 
And at the end of our passage, you know, James, he uses these real-life, real-world illustrations here and uses some language that his listeners could really grab onto. And, and so he says, A fountain cannot bring forth sweet and bitter water at the same time. Impossible. A fig does not produce olives, and salt cannot produce salt water cannot produce fresh water. So he says these things are incompatible. God wants the fresh water. That's his intention. He wants the sweet fig. He wants the pure water. But our sin comes in and creates the bitter olives, the bitter water. And so James is talking about God's design. And it's contradictory for us, right? We're followers of Jesus, but yet blessing and cursing come out of the same mouth. Again, we're never going to master it. That's the reality of it. We can try, we can work, we can do everything possible, but we're never going to master it. We are always going to, our tongues are going to be, a, we're going to be in a battle for the remainder of our days. That is a harsh reality. But, again, there is good news. James says that Something must be done. Again, we can't live in the fact and go, oh, well, since no one can really tame the tongue, why even try, why even work? I'm just going to let it fly. And if we try to wrangle our tongues ourselves, we'll fail every time. Only the supernatural power of God can tame the tongue. If we want our words to change, it begins right here. We have to be willing to change our hearts. And it's only when the Holy Spirit controls our hearts that our words will change. If our hearts are filled with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, the fruit of the Spirit, a byproduct of of being under the control of the Holy Spirit, our words will reflect all of that. You know, James could have said, he said, here are three steps to godly language. James didn't do that in this passage. He could have said, here are ten steps to success with your words. He doesn't do that at all. He doesn't have one foolproof step in this entire passage. He doesn't give you an outline for here, go do this, go do X, Y, and Z. Not once does he say that. James says there's a problem. Let me tell you what the answer is. The answer is Jesus. So as I read this passage, and as I look in the mirror, and as I look at the lives of God's people in our churches, and as I look at marriages and our families, I think the most pervasive and overlooked sin is what comes out of our mouths. And James says the magnitude of the damage our tongues do It cannot be overstated. And the harsh reality is all of us will stand before Jesus one day and give an account for what has come out of our mouths. I'm not trying to create a bleak picture or lay on condemnation or guilt. I just hope this morning that we take our words as seriously as possible. In Matthew 12, Verse 33 through 37, I want to read this for a minute. This is Jesus talking to the teachers of the law. 
And these are men that perceive themselves as without sin. Here's what Jesus says to these guys. He says, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For the tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you're evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good, but the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will be given account for every careless word they speak. For out of your, for by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. That's hard to hear. There's no getting around it. And this whole week as I did battle, as I read and thought and reflected, I had to spend lots of time in confession to the Lord and saying, Lord, forgive me for those things that I have said. For my tongue has done great damage. So the teachers of the law, you know, they assumed that if they did all the right things, if it was all good behavior, said the right things, that God would accept them. And Jesus says, you got it all wrong. You'll be judged by the condition of your heart, is what Jesus says. And whether it be fruit or a lack of fruit. I believe he would say the same things to us. We'll be judged by the fruit of our lives. And the fruit this morning that we're talking about are the words that we produce, the words that come out of our mouth. You know, there isn't there isn't anybody alive that of a certain age that probably hasn't been on the receiving end of some difficult words in this life. You know, ungodly words from somewhere else, someone else. And those kids were wrong. It wasn't sticks and stones, but it was really words that hurt after all. And maybe this morning, maybe this week, you need to spend some time asking for asking for forgiveness, maybe for something that you've said. Or maybe you still need to forgive someone who may have hurt you with the words that they used. Maybe this week you need to spend some time doing that. You're holding on to unforgiveness or anger or bitterness. That's certainly not of God. You know, long after the people that spoke ungodly words to us have forgotten, we're still holding on to some of those things. And I would... I would ask you to spend some time, if that's you this morning, to spend some time today or this week forgiving those that maybe have hurt you with their words. God's Word paints the ideal for us as we're looking to keep our tongues in alignment with God and we want to fill our hearts with God's truths. You know, Paul, he says, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. We're to take every thought captive. We're to think before we speak. We must be willing to think and reflect and use wisdom before using the words that we, we use. Paul in Ephesians 4.29, he says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up. Paul says it's not beneficial don't say it. That's a lifelong principle I think we could all use. It's a great reminder. 
And as we close, I want to remind us that none of us has the power to tame our tongue. Only God can do that by the supernatural power of His Holy Spirit. He can change us from the inside out. When our hearts are under God's influence, our tongues will follow. Amen? Amen.